Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Project MedTech. I'm your host, Dwayne Mancini. As always, if you need anything from the podcast or would like to suggest a future guest, please email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can always visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. This is another episode of MedTech Money powered by Project MedTech. This is a special series by Project MedTech where we have partnered with Mr. MedTech himself, Giovanni Loricella, in a series of podcast episodes focusing on money in the MedTech space. Giovanni's guest today is Alessio Beverina from Panicus Partners. In this episode, Giovanni and Alessio discuss the startup scene in Italy, investing in Europe, how he raised a 150 million euro second fund, how they invest in medtech, and more. So without further ado, Giovanni's discussion with Alessio Beverina. Alessio, thank you very much for your time for joining What is MedTech Money? This is a podcast series powered by Project MedTech and sponsored by Lifeblood Capital. And so the reason why we're here is I've talked to thousands of MedTech entrepreneurs and investors around the world. And what I've discovered is that there's real no silver bullet or specific formula on how to raise or invest capital in MedTech. So my goal here is I wanted to extract insights and anecdotal stories from entrepreneurs and investors like yourself so that we could help those who can benefit from the information and for generations of professionals, of entrepreneurs and investors to come. And so what I imagine this audience being is a mixture of experts and novices. However, I wanted to extract your stories and insights and advice so that we can share with what I imagine is the first time founder or CEO and has no clue what lies ahead of them on their journey of raising capital. And I thought the best place to start is by learning from experienced professionals like yourself. So the purpose of this discussion, Alessio, and why you and I are talking is I really wanted to focus on what an early stage VC firm looks and feels like within Europe, and even more specifically within Italy as well, and, and dig into your background of how you built your career uh, throughout being a European investor. So we'll stop there. But before that, I have two questions that I wanted to share with you and get your insight on and then learn a lot more about who you are and what is Panakes Ventures. So do you believe that people and money are the lifeblood of a med tech startup? Why or why not? Or am I missing anything else important? Giovanni, people and money. Uh, uh, most of the time, people believe that are on two separate routes. Uh, if you want to save money, uh, if you want to save people, uh, you need, you know, probably you need to decrease the price of, of drugs or medical device, etc. But I do believe strongly that the two are strongly connected. When we do look at the companies, startups developing. Uh, very interesting product. The more you try to save life of patients, of people, the more the money you potentially make. Okay, this is strictly connected. 
you know, if you look not necessarily to the, the medtech environment, but if you look at these days related to COVID, and you see the outrageous evaluation of company like Moderna that in less than 18 months was able to develop and commercialize a, a vaccine, you know, it's hysterical. You are saving life or protecting the life of the patient. So uh, people and money in particular in the life science sector are strongly connected. Uh, and, and when I talk to entrepreneur, when I talk to uh, my investor in my fund, I think it's very important, these parameters. For us, it's very, it's an honor and it's privileged to be able to make money by investing on things that save people's life or make the life of the patient easier, which is at the end of the day, the, 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 the same thing. And my second question for you is, you've built a, a phenomenal career, which we'll learn about in a short minute. Within... European, and for that matter, life science and med tech investing. If you know now what you knew about being a med tech investor, would you do it all over again? Why or why not? What would you do differently? And do you love what you do? First of all, uh, uh, I do love what I do. I wake up every morning uh, to, to discover a new fantastic technology that can save life uh, of patient, like we said before. Uh, and I would do it again, absolutely, yes. Probably a little bit different than with Trickly, you know, a different choice uh, that has been done in the past, that the wrong one, or repeated the, the, the new one. Uh, uh, to invest in MedTech, generally speaking, is not an easy task, but at least I do believe that uh, it is strongly possible to, to make money to our investor, first of all, to ourselves, and to save the life of the patient in the right timing, which is not a 20 period time, which is the time of the fund, which is most of the time 10 years. So between the investment phase and the moment that when you do an exit, it is in the right time. You know, there are sectors elsewhere where, you know, it can be faster, that's for sure, you know, in the digital world, for example. Uh, but there are other sectors like uh, energy or deep tech that even longer. Uh, and you need to go from the product development, industrialize the product, getting the, the, the demonstration clinical or not clinic, and then start selling. And it takes ages much more than what is the life of the fund. So in MedTech, I do believe that there is still the possibility to invest early on at prototype stage, at early clinical or preclinical development stage, and to succeed getting the right clinical data, getting the right regulatory approval, getting early days commercialization in the right timing to make the money. Uh, uh, so I, I think that this is, I would do it again. Yes, uh, what I have done or differently is that probably I need to, in my fund, and this is what we have been doing with, with the news that I'm going to talk about later, is that probably in the method there are not the spike uh, uh, of performance in startups. Now, it happens rarely that you have a multi-billion exit, which is very often the case for 
biotech, for example. So probably I would do a mix in the future. Okay. And without further ado, then, Alessio, tell us a little bit more about who you are. Where'd you come from? How this all worked out? And how did you end up being managing partner of Panakes? So once you get there, then we'll stop and we'll learn more about Panakes. And I know that there's some good news that we're going to share. But um, tell us about yourself. How'd you get there? So first of all, uh, uh, I'm an Italian citizen. I study engineering, chemical engineer at Politecnico di Milano. Uh, uh, in order to avoid the, the military service in Italy, I escape from the country and, and I moved to France and I was working in, in the research and development labs in a particular company, which is very far away from the world of the medtech because I was working in the semiconductor industry. Uh, you know, doing R&D there in a very specialized world, very technical world, etc. And then I moved to ST Microelectronics and then falling in an MBA uh, in Paris, uh, I have been hired by Sofinova. Uh, and when I was a Sofinova entering as a simple analyst at Digit 32, little by little, uh, I, I work with the different partners, suggesting right investment, doing the right diligence, etc., supporting good company, good entrepreneur in the particular sector. And I grew up to, to the, 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 the the partner level. And uh, in, in Sofinova, I was not in charge of the medtech, I was more in charge of the hardware investment. And, and, and as I say, and indeed investment in several companies, two of them have been so far successful. One is a public company in France, almost valued 1 billion. And I was a seed investor in and supporting through, through the different stage to the IPO. Uh, you know, the hardware piece is what I like the most. Right, I'm a geek by nature. So even in the medtech side, where I, what I like the most is, is the technology piece. Right, in the medtech, it's I would like to say probably easier to understand if it's answering the real need or not, compared to other sector uh, where you know also the commercialization piece is very strong. In this case, you know, when as soon as you are able to save a life to to solve a real clinical a met need, you can make a, a reasonable return, at least on, on, on paper. So it's much easier, uh, but this is my, my, my nature. And if you look, the, the, the two investments that I have done uh, while at Panakes uh, are in the surgical equipment space, one robotic and one laparoscopic instruments. This is because it is the hardware space, first of all, applied to a particular pathology or to a particular procedure. So uh, when I was 40 in 2013, uh, turning 40 is always a, a moment in time in the life of everyone when you decide what to do when you are older, right? So at the age of 40, I was partner at Sofinova uh, 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 and uh, I decided to quit the mother Sofinova, which is a very successful fund with lovely people on board and uh, decided to launch my own thing. So uh, I decided to go back to my country, Italy, where I noticed that there was a lack of venture capital. I think at that moment in time, Italy startups were raising hundreds of million a year in comparison to the two or three billion in France and the hundreds of billion in the States and elsewhere. So I decided to, to go back to Italy. I met an entrepreneur 
Fabrizio Landi, who was the, the founder and CEO of one of the largest imaging companies in Italy in the medtech sector, Aote, and we decided to build up Panakes. So for two years, we, we, we pitched to several investors and we were able in 2015, also by adding Diana Saraceni first and Barbara Castellano later uh, uh, as a real fund. So we closed the fund, it was almost an 80 million euro fund, $100 million uh, dedicated to MedTech because the specialty of Fabrizio was in the MedTech because I love the hardware applied with no commercialization issue, as I said before. Diana was a MedTech investor and Barbara Castellano came from Sorin, now Livanova in the cardiovascular sector. So we build up the team. Today we are 11. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be 14. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we invested uh, in the first fund uh, in 12 companies, seven are in Italy, five are spread all over the place in Europe from uh, Netherlands, Ireland, Switzerland, France. Uh, uh, and we, you know, we believe that we have a very interesting company and we believe that we're going to make money for our investor that put the money in the fund fund. Then, this is the news that you mentioned before, Giovanni. Uh, so we, we, have an, we are going to announce very soon, uh, or we have announced, depending on when this uh, podcast <laughs> is going to happen, uh, a, a new fund, which is 100 mil, 150 million euro fund. We, are, we have announced the first closing. Uh, so we are happy because we almost doubled at the first closing the size of the first fund. Uh, and we're happy to, to go and continue the fundraising till uh, the end of the year to, to achieve the, the, the maximum target, which is 180 million euro. And uh, the characteristic of this fund is a copy and paste of the first fund. Uh, but we are adding, as I said before, a little bit of biotech investment. And by doing so, since I'm an engineer, I like to start by data. I know that to understand and to develop all the practice in the biotech and need to have the right people to understand it. It's not going to be Alessio, right? So we have hired three people uh, with the right PhD. Uh, two of them are doctors that can, that have been working hard in the last 15, 20, or even 30 years in the pharma industry, uh, developing new products, investing in new products. And by doing so, we have even opened up an office in UK because biotech like medtech is global. So we cannot tackle the... So coming back to myself, uh, I do believe that uh, Panakes has learned or has got lots of the things that I have learned in Sofinova in terms of methodology, when you do investment, when you do support the company after you have made an investment, uh, uh, and we have the same structure or precision or, 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 or willingness to, to choose the best, like uh, my old friend at Sofinova. And on the other side, we, are we, we have the Italian way of doing, which is sometimes funny, but uh, the, the atmosphere, if you go and, and work for Sofinova or reading 
uh, uh, Nova portfolio company, you can see that we work in Arabe in a funny way. It, 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 the atmosphere is pretty relaxed, uh, even if we have a lot of tracks, right? Uh, don't take me wrong, uh, uh, even if we work extremely hard. But the, the point is that, you know, there is a sense of loving, extremely importance of love what you do. So even the junior and the new guys that we have just hired share this mentality. Otherwise, you know, you get bored easily, right? So, so this is a very important parameter, having fun while working. Like you, Giovanni, when, when, when I read all the posts and all the things that you do, I can see that it's not just a, your normal work, the one that you pay for, that you're excited, but there is everything else. And for us, it's very important that, that, that there is also the other parameter. You want to go in the office, and enjoy the time with your colleagues, and et cetera, et cetera, which is very, very important. So I have, I should scrap all my questions that I prepared in my head for this because I have many more questions now. But first and foremost, congratulations on your new round. That's, or fund rather, that's Thanks. incredible. That's amazing. Um, and then to highlight that in the new round, what type of investments would you be looking for? Which ones differ will you be looking for in this new fund as you did from the old fund? And how, and how does that change? I think that, you know, like everyone, uh, even entrepreneur, um, we learn by doing, as you said before, right? Uh, so for sure, we have done things in the first fund that can be corrected, if I go back, okay, not do it. So we have learning by, by, by choosing the the. The, the wrong entrepreneur that need to be replaced or the wrong target because this market is uh. So I think that we are going to do strategically why the same thing as we have done in the first fund, bigger, because the size of the fund is, is bigger. So instead of doing 12 companies, we're going to do 15, 16, but the average investment is not going to be 5 million like it was in the first fund. It will be probably 8, 10, right? Uh, so supporting the company in the, in, in, with the re, enough resources to continue progressing to the exit. Uh, for sure, we are, going, we are going to add the biotech, which is very different uh, uh, somehow, but we, we are not afraid. And as I say, since team, like in the case of startups where the entrepreneur, the, the, the founder team is extremely important, also in VC, what makes the difference in the team. So I'm pretty confident that the team that we have are, are the capability and the capacity to do it. You said your first fund was 80 million. The second one is 150. In the life of how VCs work, and I'm, and I'm focusing this audience right now who's listened to this, likely entrepreneurs, right? Who don't really understand how it works within VC. They want your money, but they don't necessarily understand what it means to raise funds for your, your fund. So when you raise that first fund of 80 and then the next one is 150, I mean, I hear regularly that if a first fund doesn't perform well, then it's like everything else. No one's going to give you more money if it doesn't happen the first time. Um, how does that work with going from raising 80 and then you go back to your same investors or you add on new ones and you say, hey, we're doing great. Give us more money. I mean, what is the mechanics and how does that work for a VC to raise a fund? What is involved with that? especially a second fund that's larger? 
Yes. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, the same. So first of all, uh, MF, all the investors that put the money in the first fund put the money in the second fund. Nice. Uh, second point, we have added for sure additional investor that we have been uh, in discovery phase in the last five years. Now, fundraising in the fund manager never stop. Is talk, talk to people, to new potential investors, etc. Uh, the second fund in the, you know, since the normally VC fund last 10 years or more, uh, you know, it's very rare, in particular in the, in the life science, that you have a, a already a return uh, in terms to your investor uh, in the first fund. So what we have been demonstrating to our initial investor and to the new one that we have been going in the right direction, if I may say so. Uh, so we have, first of all, pro promised something and we maintained the promise five years back, okay? Uh, we say that we were going to make between 11 and 13 investments. We have done 12. We have said that we were only investing in MedTech and we have done it. We have said that we were trying to have a portfolio mix between diagnostic, uh, uh, surgical equipment and medical device. We have done it. We have uh, said that we were able to support the company in their process, in their evolution. And this has happened thanks to the fact that we have been able to uh, supporting the entrepreneur in raising additional financing at higher valuation and, and that the company goes in the right direction. I'm happy to say that out of the 12 companies, we have none of them that is in the failure mode today. Second, we have five products that were not ready to, for prime time that are today on the market. And we have other 10 that are in clinical trial. So I think that, you know, for sure, you know, clinical trial is a major milestone for most of the company because it can work or not, easy, black and white, or sometimes it's gray, but if it's gray, it's not very good, right? So the point is that we have been able to demonstrate to our initial investor and to the future one that we are like entrepreneur, we are a backable entrepreneur. So we, 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 we claim something and we have done it for sure. What is the missing point today? Strongly clear. Uh, and it is my pressure for the next five years is to go to the next phase for the portfolio company, the, the fund number one, which is the exit. Okay. We need to give back to our investor, including ourselves, because we are also investor in the fund in a serious way, uh, the money. So we need to demonstrate that the company performed well, yes, but also give the money back to, to, to ourselves. So that's how you raise uh, uh, Giovanni, if I may say, fund number two is a little bit in the middle, right? So if you have done what I have just said, it's probably easier to raise a fund. It's going to be very different than fund number three. Right in, in four years' time, and I'm going to raise another fund, and I need at that moment in time to show real performance on the fund number one. Okay, and, and potential and, on the fund number two. 
right? right? And I need to show data. I need to yeah. show that I have the, uh, I give the money back. Otherwise, they don't trust me again. I'm nice. I'm a gentleman. I, I do nice reporting to investor or uh, uh, etc. Et but so I think it, this is very important. Another very important point that we did discuss before. We have in our investor database, and we have done uniquely in Italy in particular, uh, a mix of investor. We have the public-based investor, right? Like a European investment fund or GDP in Italy. On top, we have classical pension fund foundation that put money to get the financial return. And finally, we have a large number, I think almost 10 corporates or family office of Italian corporate in the life science sector that have been investing in our fund, like Menarini, like Sapio, like Molteni Pharmaceutical, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have, and we use this relationship with these Italian pharma that often don't have a venture capital, corporate venture capital in-house. We support them in being in contact with startup, with smart entrepreneur. And, and uh, sometimes I may invest in the same company, sometimes not. Sometimes uh, my corporate investor may be interested in doing a partnership with one company presented to them because I know they are interested in the particular sector, even if I'm not an investor in that company. So for entrepreneur, the one that are listening to us, this is very unique, in particular in Italy. And we have, you know, Menorini is almost a $5 billion comp revenue company with huge presence in Germany, in Italy, in Singapore, Southeast Asia. So it's very, very important, you know, for a corporate, for a startup, if you got the money from me or get to, to know me, it's, they can have access to all this as well. So to your point, being a venture capital firm, especially after fund one and going into fund two, it's like building a startup. You have to show traction, right? So if you're going to have your investors continue to invest in you or be able to add new investors, you have to show traction, which I think is very important for startups to realize, right? Because once again, they look at you in, as a check, hopefully more than a check with resources and value that you could add. But um, they, they need to know what happens on the other side, which is how to build a VC firm. So. Um, so thank you for sharing that. But you mentioned after leaving Paris, you wanted to come back to Italy to do this and start Panakes. Um, and you have done so with Fund 1, now Fund 2, having raised it. So once again, congratulations. But um, Italy, as a, as a country within Europe, yes, you're from there. Is there positive upsides for being there? Is there a great tech scene in Italy? Are there downsides of being there versus other European countries? I mean, just tell us the reason why Panikas is in Italy and reason also why they focus in Italy. I mean, you mentioned seven out of the five companies that you invested in Fund One are from Italy. So tell us about that tech ecosystem specific to MedTech and also what the upsides are for being there. So let, let me, be, be, you know, first of all, I go from, from the top to, to the bottom, okay? Uh, startup scene is very, it is in, in the early days in Italy, okay? Make an example. Globally, if uh, Italian startup raised 600 million in 2020, 
France was at 5.5, 5.4 billion. UK was about nine to 10 billion. United States, I don't know, 50, 60, right? So the, 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 the investment in the startup is still tiny. The number of VC uh, in Italy is also tiny. I think we, we count less than 15 firms, okay? Uh, while, you know, in France, there are more than 100 uh, at different stage for a different sector, for a different geography, et cetera, et cetera. If you go down to the, 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 the MedTech, I think last year, Italian startup raised only 100 million in the MedTech sector, which is nothing. You know, you know, I think that there are more companies that raised by one single company raised that amount uh, every day in the States, right? So the point is that we are early days. I know, you know that early days means that there are a lot of opportunities. This is what we see. First of all, uh, Italy has some place, you call it research center, university, uh, incubator, or place where there is a huge competence in particular sector. You know, a vaccine, uh, uh, well, it's not really medtech, but vaccine is Tuscany, you know, GSK and before GSK, many other, Lili, and, uh, were producing vaccine. Rino Rapuoli, which is considered with Mr. Fauci, one of the two world leader uh, knowledge of vaccine is based in Siena with all the R&D team uh, uh, of GSK. If you go to extracorporeal uh, therapy, now dialysis uh, uh, for cardiovascular kind of, uh, there is one place which is called Mirandola, which is the world place where you can find the Medtronic, Baxter, uh, uh, Fresenius, and many other companies developing new stuff. These, as usual, when you have a big guy or several big guys in a place, then you have a lot of competencies. So you have potential guys that are developing their own idea of something. Then, you know, there are research centers. You know, if you go to PISA, uh, PISA is a world excellence in robotic, okay? And, and now there are, you know, if you check at Intuitive Surgical on the HR, you may find there are hundreds of engineer coming from Pisa, right? So, it, it, so we have a lot of uh, expertise. Uh, we have a lot of competencies. Our researchers are very good. They often, unfortunately, they leave outside the country to go <laughs> and live in the States or in Switzerland or in France or in the UK. But the point is that our we, we, we have strong competence. Our researchers do great papers. Uh, our KOL, our doctors are absolutely amazing. If you look at the numbers of clinical trials that, for example, in the cardiovascular sector are performed at uh, uh, San Rafael in Milan, at Humanitas in Milan, at Gemelli in Rome, it's just outrageous. Many companies go to Italy to discuss with the doctor because we are streaming, our doctors are extremely innovative. They like to test new things on patients, right? Then, you know, 
it's a bit complicated to get the, 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 the clinical trial to get approved because you enter in the administrative piece of Italy. So my point is coming back to the medtech, there was in 2015, I can confirm today that Italy is an underserved market with great potential. On top of that, because there are not many funds, uh, there is not much money, there is little competition, which means that naturally for something that needs to be invested in, it's very positive because the valuation is a little bit lower than elsewhere. Now, these days I'm talking to French company, just to, to, to make an example on another geography where the money is flowing like uh, the river, you know, the big river, right? So, so the valuation is strongly higher than the Italian one. I'm not killing the entrepreneur by lowering the valuation, but I'm extracting the value of it. And, and the price is important. Point. Another point, and I make a, you know, you mentioned before, do some uh, uh, stories. If you look how little money Italian startups in the Metec are spending, it's unbelievable, okay? It's, and this is essentially because the people cost is lower, even to France, even uh, to Switzerland, it's another level. You know, the, the, so we are able to develop things, hiring people, do clinical trial at the lower cost as well. So we may raise less money, but achieve the, the most. Make an example. One of my portfolio company where I did invest in 2018 is called MMI, Robotic Surgical Equipment for Microsurgery, okay? This guy raised 20 million and in 2018, they're still having money in the bank. And with that money, they move from six people to 65. They have moved from a prototype to a fully industrialized robot, okay? We have moved from a garage to a full facility with the clean room where we are producing the robot. We have done first in human trial. We are doing a post-marketing and we have started selling the machine, which has been nicely uh, got with less than 20 million euro. If you were in the States or elsewhere, since I know many robotic companies, they were raising hundreds to achieve the same stuff. Is this good? Amazing. Why? Because at the end of the day, I get a fund, the money back, as we say before. Sorry to say, talk about money, you know, but VC is about money. Uh, I, I have the chance to get in the money back to my investor if the company not only perform amazingly well, but use the money in the right way. Okay. So that's exactly what I was looking for. So I think those who were listening just got a very good sense of the ecosystem as to why Italy. So a few more questions that come to mind real quick. I spend as much or a little time as you want on this, but I've heard this over and over again. Is there a connection within this industry between Italy and Israel? Uh, 
Well, first of all, uh, if I, if you look at the numbers of RD flow, I think Israel is probably number two after Italy. Okay, uh, this is one side related to the fact that uh, Israeli are extremely innovative. Uh, second, they're applying other technology for, for space or digital, whatever, to the medtech sector in a very innovative way. And third, you know, we are Mediterranean people as well. Uh, for sure, you know, they are tougher than Italians when it turns to negotiation. And probably for that reason, in the last five years, even if we have been trying hard, and, uh, and I can mention at least three cases where we put a term sheet on the table, we were not able to, 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 to go to the end and to invest. Uh, is there a connection? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I think he, he, uh, Israel entrepreneurs are so motivated uh, and, and so ambitious that they are not afraid to exit in their little country to look for money and to look for expertise that can support them. And for sure, there are many Israeli companies that I know are producing their own device or equipment in Italy. Remember, Italy is, uh, in, with Germany, one of the, the production hub for medical device and for biotech in Europe. So naturally, if you need to, to do early prototype, you come to Italy to go to Germany. So there is a, somehow a connection. Then, no, is it, if you can, you can ask me, is it easier to invest in Israel? No, at all. <laughs> now, as I said before, the, the entrepreneur are tougher, uh, uh, the, the, but no. And you can see that they are tough, but they're extremely ambitious, and off, very often they're super successful. But the, their ideas are sometimes very, very sexy, very, very innovative, etc. So, okay, clear. Um, you, you've mentioned Germany, the money flowing in France, for example, the UK. If we make some strong generalizations, because you made it very clear as to why Italy before versus some other European countries, um, very strong generalizations. What do you see are the main differences between venture capital within medtech? in Europe versus the United States? How do they act differently? Are the numbers always different? Is the style and the pace different? What are some generalizations you can share with the listeners of what is the venture capital industry within medtech differing between the US and Europe? Well, first of all, the, if you compare all Europe and United States, there is a huge difference, which is the quantity of money that is invested, okay? And these as a and the number of firms that invested. This has an impact everywhere. If there is more competition, like it is the case in the States, you're probably obliged to invest at the early stage in order to, to take an opportunity, right? Otherwise, you know, the opportunity disappears because it's taken by the usual suspect. So the more money, the more firm. The more you need to be differentiated, et cetera, you cover all the spectrum in the state. In Europe, as a consequence of less money, less firms, less differentiated between the actors, probably made the, the early stage things more difficult. People are not taking the same risk as elsewhere in the States. But this is related to the fact that 
again, to me, it's a question of quantity of money that uh, competition. Now, it's like uh, if I have in Italy, I can for sure take in the early stage opportunity at very, very low valuation, or I can go at a relatively mature company, but the valuation will be still correct, okay? But I take less risk. If I take less risk, I take less return, but a, a little bit less riskier. So I believe that, that between Europe and the States, <coughs> this is a major comparison, major difference. Then for sure, you know, if you go to another conclusion that mostly the acquirer are American, okay? So it's easier for a VC to be in touch with an American buyer. The, the CEO of a large corporate, the executive VP in charge of the money. I don't say that we don't have it. You know, this business is a human business. So you need to be able to talk to them all the time. You go drink a coffee, you drink, a, you have a lunch, you have a business meeting here and there, not just when you are ready to sell a company. You need to build up the, rest, the relationship. If you look at who are the acquirer, it's there. Third, major difference and even if uh, you know it's open up for european company as well it's the public market nasdaq <sighs> there is no comparison there is nothing you know Euronest is not comparable to, to what happens in the nasdaq so if i you know if i go public in italy with the biotech or a meta company i don't have comparable mostly i do zero revenue and in Italy, the, your comparable are called, uh, I don't know, Ferrari, uh, Fiat, uh, company that make revenue and they are valued on multiple of EBITDA or multiple revenue. So there is no comparable. So how can you make a successful exit by doing an IPO on, 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 on Italian or French market? No, it's just a step for fundraising, then you move to the States. So this is another big difference. And you can say these days, I think, uh, in, 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 you know, every week there is a new IPO, right? Medtech, biotech, and this company are in phase one, phase two for the biotech. You know, early stage, uh, CMARC, FD approval for, for a medtech. And the company is valued what? 500 million, 1 billion, et cetera. But this is the way the market is perceived. And it's very important because for me, I need to see the exit, as I said before. The important thing is that I invest in MedTech to save life, yes, but I need to return the money to my investor. Okay, this is fundamental, so you need to have it. Fourth, there is less people, and often in the MedTech area, you need lots of money to grow the company, to develop a product, to get the regulatory approval, to get the clinical validation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to start early commercialization. If we are, I don't know, 20 investors all over Europe, 30 investors in the life science, it's not enough. So we need to look for American investors to come to Europe, which is not, not happening very often. It's happening. The more, the more, more and more, right? So I believe we are an extremely progressive, positive way. The venture world and in the medtech or in the life science is growing strongly in Europe, but we are still tiny. We need to, to, to have the possibility to have more money, more people, more firm like Panacex, 
etc., etc. And you know, going back to Italy, I know that in Italy, in the next six nine months, you will see more firm like Panakes launching, right? Dedicated to life science because people understood that there is an opportunity. Like uh, we see many foreign firms coming to Italy to invest because they see that the opportunities are amazing. Then there is another point, which is different than stop talking about this matter, but the, 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 the entrepreneur is very different between Europe. Well, then it, it depends on the, the, the country, you know, the, the UK probably or France are becoming more and more similar to the American. I know we are still at the first or second generation serial entrepreneur. In the States, you are at the third generation, fourth generation. So a successful entrepreneur, they did once, they did it a second time, and then they are happy to do the third time, or they are becoming the chairman at the age of 45. You know, in my robotic company, I have uh, an amazing American chairman, Andrew Kleeman, that sold two companies to Medtronic, okay? For a total of 1.2 billion, okay? Uh, uh, 12 and uh, a renal Ardian. Uh, then, you know, these kind of people are rare in Europe. One in the States, you may find, and this is very important. Now, you may back an Italian entrepreneur who is uh, fantastic, but you need, you know, it needs to learn how to be an entrepreneur which is different from being an employee in another company or being a researcher. So in the States, you have amazing people that jump with the probably lower salary, with the promise of a huge equity return, et cetera, et cetera, that jump on opportunity. And in three years times, well, the company go bounce is fantastic. I go to one, new one. In Europe, even if there is a strong progression on that, it's still uh, not the same. Uh, they prefer to work for the, the Medtronic of the world instead of going for, for the small company. That was perfect. I couldn't have asked for a better answer than that. So thank you for the comparison. My, life, my last question, I'll let you go. I, I, this is very relevant here um, and I'll leave it open-ended for you. I built my business on, on having built teams for medtech startups at this point globally pursuing CE Mark for the longest time. And now the EU MDRs, the European medical device regulations have just come into effect in, in May of this year, postponed for a whole year after 2020. Um, how has the European medical device regulations now with things shifting towards startups, typically looking to the FDA first now versus CE Mark, how has that changed deal flow? How has that changed the med tech venture capital landscape for you in Europe? Well, this is a major issue the whole industry in Europe is having. And not only the startup, but also the big groups, okay? Because they are redoing a lot of administrative stuff that was not expected. In terms of innovation, that's, I think, a, a, a very sad news because if before, as you mentioned, the company, even from the States, were coming to Europe, do the CMARC, start the early commercialization before going to FDA because it was easier. Uh, and nowadays, it's no more the case. So we often see companies that as a strategy, particularly in the class three or class two uh, device, you know, they, they, they don't talk anymore about CMARC. It's just a waste of time. 
because they know that the acquirer, the Medtronic of the world, are interested in, in FDA because it's the market, right? In Europe, then, you know, CMARC means something, but then if you go to Germany, then you get the, the approval there, then you go to France and you get the approval there, blah, blah, blah. So it takes longer and it's very complicated market, etc. For sure, you know, so we have still a backlog company that got the CMARC and, and then they go, but the, the new one, uh, uh, I tell you, it's, they're moving strategically directly to the FDA. Uh, uh, for us, it's not a major issue, uh, rather than uh, for two points. First, we had in the past American company willing to get European VC money, also because they have a knowledge of, of how it works in terms of getting the C mark. These days, the number of American company that go, comes to Europe to get the European VC money is less and less because of the, this. And second, well, you know, if you want to do as a first milestone for an entrepreneur to get the C mark, it's a strong validation, right? Uh, but cost less. If you go directly to the States to get the FDA, it's cost higher. So instead of doing probably the company a series A to get the C mark and the, the clinical validation related to the C mark with five, 10 million, nowadays they directly to me asking for 10, 20 because they go directly to the FDA. So there is a, a, an impact there. Many of our company got the CMARC uh, 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 as a stage to go to convince additional investor that technology works, is able to do early days in commercial activity, but to convince them to spend the money on, on the FDA to get to the States. So if you don't have this, you, you miss a milestone and it's complicated often for the entrepreneur. And so has that slowed down deal flow or just made that more challenging for European VCs like yourself? Yes, I believe so. Yes, absolutely. Alessio Beverina, Managing Partner of Conicus, thank you very much for your time. This insight was incredible. So thank you for sharing this with all of us. This is MedTech Money, demystifying raising capital. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at Thanks for listening and have a great day.